we go. This doesn't happen very often. What's today's date? 2 2 22. That's right. February the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday. And we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs. Uh, the people at KFUO, boy, they've really got their act together because the station is kind of closed in the sense because of the bad weather, ice on the road, but they can still get me connected uh, from their home. And so, boy, they're pretty good. And so here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. Now, this is the first time that, well, Solomon is talking to his son, and he gives specific commands about what wisdom is. Up to now, it was important to follow wisdom. You'd have a better life, etc. And now they're going to go ahead with verse 21 about the importance of wisdom. Then he's going to give you the benefits of wisdom. Then five warnings about wisdom. And then contrasting evil and righteous people through verse 35. The reason I love Proverbs is because have you ever gone to a, well, a show outside where they have merry-go-rounds or they have items that you're supposed to ride in? They give you direct directions about how to fasten yourself in the seat. Make sure you have your seat belt on. Don't be jumping up and down when you're on a Ferris wheel, this kind of thing. Now, why do they give those directions? They give those directions so people will not be injured. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. It's talking about how not to be injured spiritually. And this is from wisdom himself. Jesus, who created the whole world, he created it in such a way that there are certain things that will give you a more pleasant and full life. I'm not saying there's not going to be any suffering or sickness or pain, but you're going to have an attitude to get through it. And that's what Proverbs is all about. It's telling you, here's how you should set yourself up in this created world, because this is how things work. So, for example, a very simple example, don't go onto a third story and jump out the window, because guess what? You're not able to fly. So that's kind of obvious. But there are people who have been on drugs, and they thought they could fly. You see, that's the old Adam, their sinful self, uh, the devil tempting them. And, of course, they often fall to their death, if not serious injury. So we're taking a look at Proverbs chapter 3. And after a little introduction, he's going to go into specifics about what it is to live in this world properly. He begins with the introduction, My son, 
Do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Now, a way of looking at this text, do not lose sight of these, uh, the way we would say it in English, don't take your eyes off of sound wisdom and discretion. So, if you're a teenager and you go to a party and there are drugs there, well, sound wisdom and discretion would mean that you stay away from those drugs because you will not be yourself. The word discretion, that's a word I really like because it means insight. In other words, every time that I do a sermon, it's one thing just to talk about the text. And I hear a lot of sermons like that, where they just repeat what the text says. Maybe it's a miracle Jesus does or something along those lines. Like you could teach your Sunday school, the feeding of the 5,000. They would know about the little boy who has fish and bread. They would know that Jesus used that little amount of food and fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. And you would think you've done the Sunday school lesson. They may even have memorized the scriptures. But there were scribes at the time of Jesus who had memorized the Old Testament books as they had them, and they didn't recognize that Jesus was the Messiah, even though it was very clear from the Old Testament books because they didn't understand the insight of the Scripture. So, for example, the feeding of the 5,000, What's the insight? Jesus mentions it later in the chapters where he says, you saw the miracle, but you missed the sign. What was the sign? The sign was pointing to Jesus as God himself. He was the one who was a new Moses, but on a divine level. That's what they missed seeing. They thought he would be a bread king, a secular king, not a spiritual leader or spiritual divine, but a physical, taking care of their food, giving them nice housing, restoring Israel to its former grandeur. So they missed the insight of the feeding of the 5,000, even though they could tell the story accurately. And Solomon says to his son, wow, when you understand proper wisdom and insight, they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. What does that mean? Well, if you've ever been to a funeral, the souls of people are really in despair. They are in grief. But remember that Bible verse? We grieve, but not as those who have no hope. You see, that what gives us life in our soul, the hope of the assurance of the promise that all those who believe in Jesus Christ will be saved.
So in verse 23, Solomon continues, Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. Now, when does a foot stumble? Uh, A better way of looking at that is you will not stub your toe. Have you ever been walking around and your toe hits maybe a piece of rock or something, and boy, does it ever hurt. But this is the promise when you keep sound wisdom and insight. It says you will walk securely and your toe will not be stubbed. Then verse 24, if you lie down, that's what the ESV says, better to say when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, why is that? Well, remember how many people can't get to sleep because they are worried about things. Maybe they're worried about not having enough money. Maybe they're worried about their children not following God's plan. Maybe they're worried that they're going to lose their job. Maybe they're worried they're not going to get a promotion. These kinds of things will keep you awake. And so I always like to think of things that don't bother me. And that way your sleep will be pleasant because you know everything else will be taken care of. All right. Now we get five warnings. And this is where we get very specific in the book of Proverbs. Number one is verse 25. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Now, what's that talking about? I thought we are to fear God. So why would we not be afraid of sudden terror? Well, the word afraid there is not the same word used that we should fear the Lord our God. That fear is a fear that we want to be obedient to him because we want to please the Lord. But this word afraid, and it's used two times in Proverbs, is different than the fear of God. This is being afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked. Now, what does that mean? Well, the ruin of the wicked can take place through a tsunami, through a plane crash, through violent weather. Who who knows? All kinds of things. And there's no doubt that in a tsunami, it's true that Christians will die but it will also be the ruin or destruction of the wicked. Now, why should we not have sudden terror of that? Because, again, verse 26 explains it. For the Lord, and that's all capitalized, which means that's the name of God Moses received on Mount Sinai, Yahweh. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. 
What does that mean? It means you can trust in the Lord. You can be confident that his promises will be sure. And therefore, even if you're part of the ruin of the wicked, like a plane crash or a tsunami, you can still have confidence that heaven will be your home and your foot will not be caught in the jaws of the devil. Because the devil has been defeated for all those who trust in Jesus. So, we see this right now overseas. In a number of countries, particularly with the Islamic faith that is radical, they believe that they can kill Christians, put them in jail because of their Christianity. That means that it looks like they're going to have sudden terror. In fact, of every seven Christians, the statistics show that one out of every seven in the world today are under severe persecution, being injured, jailed, killed by those who hate Christianity. But we remember during the time when Christians were thrown to lions, uh, many of them were able to endure that because they had confidence in the Lord that though they were alive on earth in the body, in a few moments, they would still be alive in heaven in the spirit, awaiting for the day of judgment when their body will be rejoined. So, yes, storms may also come down upon Christians. I remember years ago when we had floods in St. Louis, uh, they showed a farm and almost everything was underwater, including the house. And the husband and wife who owned the farm were looking down off a hill and they said, we know that Jesus will take care of us and bring things back to normal. That's having confidence, even while they're being ruined with those of the wicked. Number two, another warning. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is your power to do it. So, this is called a sin of omission. For example, you may hire a neighbor, a boy, to cut your lawn, and you tell him you'll pay him $10. But when it's over, you don't give him the money. He deserves the $10. It's in your power to do it. Verse 28 continues, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Now, this is a great example of wisdom telling us that when you make a promise to someone to pay them, then pay them when you have the money. Now, there are some places where you get paid maybe 
twice a month and then pay them when it is due then. Don't say, well, you come again next month and I will give it when you have it with you. I found it very interesting that there's a lot of restaurants that don't have enough help. And so you can get like $14 an hour working at a McDonald's or a Pizza Hut. But I think it was a Pizza Hut I saw that really impressed me. They said, work today, get paid tomorrow. In other words, if you come in and work on Tuesday, when you come back on Wednesday, you get the money that they owe you from Tuesday. That's really interesting. Now you'll say, well, that's a really good business. Well, it's also a way to make sure that the worker returns the next day to continue working. That's how sore they are with a lack of workers. But it's a great example. When you have the ability to keep your promises, don't forestall them when you have the ability to keep them. Number three, do not plan evil against your neighbor. Uh, that's also could be translated, do not harm your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Now, you may be envious of your neighbor. Maybe they have a nicer car than you have or have a better yard or a nicer house. Now, they believe that they can trust you. They are living peacefully with you. But because of your bias against them, you sometimes plan evil against your neighbor. And you're happy to hear when something goes wrong in their life. It makes you feel good. Well, that's not how God wants you to act in this world. Because when you bring harm against your neighbor, you are really bringing harm against yourself in the way that God has created this universe. The fourth warning, verse 30. See how these get very specific. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. In other words, do not quarrel with a man for no reason. Now, if he has done harm to you, uh, for example, he may rake up the leaves and then throw them over on your yard. Well, there you could contend and quarrel with him for doing that which is inappropriate. But when he has done no harm to you, why would you want to quarrel with him? Everyone you quarrel with means that your life will not be full. There's going to be contention between you and that man. And that is going to not only harm him, it's going to harm you. The fifth warning is verse 31. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. I just saw a short film 
about a teenager who got to know an individual who had just been released from prison. And for some reason, the teenager really got to like this individual because the criminal released from prison, well, he had an exciting life. And the teenager helped him to rob his own grandmother and, in fact, put her to death. It was an FBI film, and they caught both the prisoner who had been in jail and the youth because he envied what the man of violence was experiencing, and he chose his way. Remember, we said a lot of teenagers leave the faith because they find individuals that like them, and they like to be liked, even if these individuals are corrupt and evil. So another warning. In fact, it's spoken of in verse 32 about the man of violence and why we should not choose his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. That word abomination is used a number of times in Proverbs. But, uh, excuse me, it is only used one other time in the book of Deuteronomy that Moses wrote. So what Solomon is doing is he taking a word from Moses He's borrowing that language of Moses to indicate that a devious person is an abomination. That means that person is disgusting to the Lord because they are not living in the universe properly. They are not keeping sound wisdom and insight. In contrast to that, are the upright that are in his confidence. That is, they listen to his advice. And the upright are those who are righteous. But you can't become righteous, according to what Solomon says, apart from the Lord. So those are the five warnings that we are to be watchful for in order to keep sound wisdom and insight. And then verses 33 to 35, these are the sayings contrasting evil to righteous people. 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. What's the opposite of curse? to be blessed. And so the verse goes on, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. What does that mean? Well, read the Beatitudes, and you'll see that in the house of the righteous, though you are poor in spirit, though you are unable to make up for your sins, God still blesses you because you are keeping sound wisdom and discretion. 
being obedient to the Lord. And even when you are not obedient, you repent of that sin and are forgiven. So the Lord's curse is on the wicked, but blessings on the righteous. Verse 34, toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives grace. He gives favor. Uh, Another way of looking at it, towards those who mock him, he becomes mockful, but to the humble, he gives grace. That's almost a quotation that James uses in James chapter 4, verse 6, and Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, about God mocking the mockers and giving grace to the humble. And grace is not something they earn. Finally, the wise will inherit honor, but the fools get disgrace because of their pride. That's what they inherit. I hope Proverbs has been helpful to you. We'll continue with it next week. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.